0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am Beverly Isla, your host. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to cover a topic that everyone probably has an opinion to justice for rescue dogs and I mean for some there just isn't enough of it to make a difference to dogs in need but for others justice is the saving grace to making an impact on their lives of course there are several factors involved that determine whether justice is in fact even playing a role so today's special guest will discuss how laws can help or not help rescue dogs our first guest patty lawson is an award-winning author lawyer newspaper columnist and public speaker whose work cover many aspects of companion animal law and our second guest Katie Tang serves as the District 4 representative on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. And as an animal rights advocate, Katie has been a primary force in having San Francisco pass the law that pet shops now only sell rescue dogs. So when we get back from these messages, Patty Lawson will join us.
2: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right. You scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com.
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save the Pooch. We are talking with Patty Lawson an award-winning author, lawyer, newspaper columnist, and public speaker whose mission is to educate pet parents on pet safety. Hi, Patty. Thanks for coming on to talk to us and share your insights. Hi, Beverly. Thanks for having me. Now, clearly, you are a dog lover, and your mission particularly focuses on educating pet parents. And I wanted to say, seeing as a large proportion of rescue dogs were surrendered or abandoned, what kind of knowledge do you feel would help address those statistics?
0: I think that it has to start at the shelter. Shelters have got to quit being the catch-all, the go-to for rejected dogs. These are dogs, number one, as you just mentioned, that Uh were rescued. They were rescued from a cruelty situation that the law covers. They were rescued from an abusive situation or neglect, or they were just plain abandoned. And there are laws, and these laws for shelters are pretty much local laws, like how many days a dog has to be held. I think a dog that's picked up from an abusive situation in almost every state, though, has to be held until the court case
1: is Mm. resolved. Never Um, thought about it that way.
0: Yeah, they do, because some of these people are banned for a long time, some for life, some for five years, one year, from ever having a pet again. So they have to relinquish their pet. Some people, when they're arrested for abandonment or cruelty or a similar crime, think they'll get a better deal if they give their dog up right then, and then that dog can be adopted before the court case. But I think the individual shelters, they have to start there with the education. I don't know about shelters all over the country, but I've seen an increase in my area where they want to give dogs away free. Hey, huh. if you keep seen before, that court, the yeah. seat, oh, you are lucky. They do it here all the time. And I say this, if you can't afford the fee for a dog, you cannot afford to have a dog. Yeah. And that is, has, has just turned out to be so true in our area because of the number of return dogs at our local shelter. I simply am completely against giving these dogs away for free. When you come to a shelter, I think, you know, they're volunteers sometimes are scarce, but there should be a short conversational intake form to start with. You know, what brings you here today? You know, what are you here for? And these volunteers need trained. If there's a a person who's specifically focusing on dogs that have a reputation for for fighting, and that is not really true, but they may be there just for a dog like that. And I I happened upon a situation like that at my local shelter, and it really brought it you know, completely to my attention. And they have to be sufficient references, not just relatives. They need to say, do you have a vet? Who is going to be your vet? Who has been your vet? Talk to neighbors. They need addresses for the last five years where this person lives. Are they a working person? And they need to verify that, verify that they have a job. And they need to check their social media accounts. So many terrible things are on social media. Oh, wow, that's a new Uh, one. But the other thing that's great about social media is that it's done a lot to help dogs, too. Get transports going, get rescues to get, get dogs. And my own dog, Rusty, who's on the cover of my new book, I got him totally from social media because he looked like my first dog, Sadie. And everyone told me to get this dog. But... Never. I think one of the big mistakes, too, is shelters, and our local shelter does this. They'll let people come and just take a dog home. You don't know, number one, where it's going. Oh, without, without any investigation? No home. Right. No home wow. visit. Calling um, a landlord. If you don't own a house, they're supposed to call a landlord. And it's easy to say I own my house, but all of these things are really quickly verified on the Internet today. And they need someone at the shelter to do that on a Saturday, on a Sunday. It doesn't matter. And the person should not be taking the dog home that day anyway. And I think a discussion needs to be had. And I think a nice card, perhaps even one that would fit on a, you know, go on the refrigerator, necessary vet care. You know, I will admit, Beverly, I was a very dumb dog mom. I had not had a dog of my own before. But I listened and I researched and I think the most important thing I did, I asked everybody questions. If I saw someone buying dog food in Kroger, I asked them a question. And I took the information. You know, uh, my dog got car sick. The first time I was taking her home to meet my family in Pennsylvania, I asked at the roadside rest people, what do you do? My dog is slobbering. Oh, and I got good information. <laughs> and, uh, and now that the SB is a database of animal abusers, it's simply not acceptable not to check this is out. Is that only in any state or U.S.? No. The United States, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, now has a database of the animal abusers. Tennessee is the only state that has a state animal abuser registry as of, you know, this month. I think other states will follow. But that's very important. And a criminal record of a person, if they've got a a record of domestic violence, they don't need to be adopting a dog. If they've got a record of a drug conviction... They don't need to be adopting a dog. A lot of bad things happen to dogs from people under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And it's not that you can't sit down and enjoy a glass of wine or or something if you have a dog. I'm talking about extremely bad situations. And ultimately, the discussion has to become, do you know how much it costs to have a dog? Are you willing to, to put and have an emergency fund? Put it aside. You don't have to be a wealthy person. To take $10, 15 $20, whatever you can afford, put it in a special place. So if something happens to your dog and you need to go to an emergency vet, you have some money at yes. least to put towards it. And I think that's extremely important. And as far as rescue dogs and being adopted, follow up. I adopted my dog through PetSmart from a local shelter, my first dog. You know, they called me in two weeks. And then they called me in three weeks, and oh. I understand that I probably was not the most, uh well, I took her back. That was the, the first reason they would have to suspect me. I got her on a Saturday, and I took her back on a Sunday. I just didn't think I could do it. Then right, I felt right. like the worst person in the world, and I was lucky enough to get her back. And before I got her back, that lady, her name was Betty, she stood in the parking lot where she made me come and meet her, and she said, hold on a minute. If you don't <laughs> understand the word forever, don't take her. And uh, Sadie was was ticked off at me. She was, she was kind of clinging to Betty and looking at me like, I don't know if I'm going back Again. with you. <laughs> and then she said, if you don't understand that from now on, when I hand this dog over to you, you are responsible For every one of her needs, you must do that. Food, water, safety, medical care. If you don't get Mm -hmm. that, don't take her. And then the last thing she said to me, and if you don't understand that she's going to get old and she's not going to be able to do things that she was able to do, and you're going to have to lift her up, and you're going to have to learn to talk to her when she can't hear, and you may have to blend her food, there are many things ahead You have to understand. Come with forever, and I took her. Exactly, and I have kept all of those promises. She's fourteen years old today, and the utter joy just you know goes way beyond any of the things I've had to do for her. But we do need some good local laws governing our shelters and how how they distribute dogs. Exactly, the follow up
1: is so important. So I'm glad you brought that up. They don't do that as often um, that I've noticed too. So that's a good one. Follow up. <laughs>
0: so, exactly. A simple phone call. If you're animal control officer, he could have a list of the addresses where uh, dogs have been in an adoptive home for two weeks. And if he's in the area, he could stop in. It, it's a very easy thing to do. I see yeah. the animal control officers out and about all the time. Uh, they could certainly stop in and see how the dog was doing. Absolutely. Because there's an agreement. If you don't want the dog, you have to bring it back. And if you stop in and the dog is oh. gone, and I say, don't let these people slide. Sue them for breach of contract. Bring them in. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later, people will start to get the picture. Hey, you know, it's not a trivial thing. You go to the shelter, you get a free dog, and and uh, you don't want it. Let it go. No, that's, that has to clearly has to become totally out there that this is not acceptable.
1: Yes, would I want to be in your courtroom? Can you maybe touch upon some of the work that you've done, like books or projects that our audience can benefit from? I know you've done multiple books. Uh,
0: yes, and the, I'll tell you the first. A case I ever had involving a dog involved a a negligent pet store. That's why I'm so glad you know what's going on in San Francisco. You know, they're not selling puppy mill dogs anymore there. And if that would go across the country, how fantastic would that be? But a man who was basically uh, well-known as a tightwad, very cheap, didn't even eat lunch, was walking through the mall and saw this big St. Bernard puppy in one of those glass, almost like aquarium displays they would use. He could hardly turn around, and this man went in and paid the $800 for that dog and carried him out through the mall and named him Samson. But Samson, before he was a year old, had hip dysplasia. And to make a long story short, this man came to me and asked me to represent him. And I said, well, I'll represent the dog, and you can pay the bills. So uh, we sued the, the vet, who had a real strange answer when I called him, and I said, I have a copy of your certificate you gave to my client, and all around the edge, it says, we sell love, we sell love. I said, I've never known of love being for sale, and he says, oh, that's our guarantee. He can bring the dog back, and uh, we'll give him another one. I said, really? I said, doctor, do you have children? And he said, yes, I do. I said, what if you take them to the pediatrician, and there's something wrong with them, and they offer you another child? And he goes, well, that's a very insane thing. I said, you're right. (laughs) <laughs> it too with a dog. This man loves the dog. So I sued him. We got all the vet costs. We got travel. <laughs> we got lost time from work, everything. And, you know, two years later, his store was literally closed down and taken out of the mall for selling sick dogs and similar activities. And this so was a vet? Was a, yeah, he was, and he was a vet, too. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Um, they did. That yeah, really another case I was really involved in that was great in this case is being cited across the country right now, state versus flat. It was a pit bull dog that a child literally trespassed into the dog's yard. And dog bite laws are very different for trespassers than they are for other kinds of people. And the dog actually never bit the child, but we're talking a rural county and the judge who said to us in court, This is my courtroom and I'll do what I want. I don't care what the five people up in Charleston have to say. Well, we took the case to the Supreme Court when he ordered this dog euthanized, and uh, the five people up here said, no, you can never order a dog to be put down merely because of its breed. And so that is a very good precedent that's going that other jurisdictions are citing. And that yeah. Tinkerbell was uh, the name of the dog. I have given a lot of done a lot of benefit events called dogs Day out there are a lot of fun or dogs night out depending the time of day where boy dogs must wear bow ties girl dogs must wear bling and we give a portion of our pussies there's a, a fee to come all the entrance fees usually something very minimal like five dollars but there's usually a lot of people there so you know so where's it, this? It, it all goes we do them all over anyone who wants to have a dog's day or a dog's night out can You can get in touch with me through my website, which is just my name, pattylawson.com. Perfect. And um, we will do one. They are great fun. They give a local rescue some extra money. Uh, We have samples. We have a photographer. It's just a really great time. And pet parents like to take their dogs places. It's a fun thing to do. And uh, our next one here in West Virginia will be June 2nd at a local feed store. So it, it will be a lot of fun. One thing I've helped people with is renting, getting a rental property with a dog. I help them write a pet resume. Very simple, one page. My dog is this old. She has had this kind of training. Here is her brief history with me. She's used to being alone X number of hours. You show you're a responsible pet parent, and we, we then create a responsibility contract. And, you know, even some landlords who were dead sent against dogs, it's not the dog. It's the person that they had a bad experience
1: with. I was just having a conversation about this yesterday. We definitely need you here in uh, Toronto.
0: (laughs) It's unbelievable how some people are. You know, one landlord, and I wrote about this in my column recently, landlords that don't want pets aren't bad people, but they are people who have had experiences with bad people. So you can't blame them, but you you present yourself as a responsible pet parent. Your dog is well-behaved and socialized, and you have a chance, even in a no-pet apartment complex, to get a pet. Because it's always easy to tell the next tenant, hey, if you're willing to do this, this, and this, give them a blank copy, then you too could perhaps have a pet. And that works Mm -hmm. out very, very good. And one of the things that I tell pet parents all the time, know your local laws, get on the internet, print them out, put them in a notebook, have them handy. When you take your driver's test, that driver's manual becomes so important. When you buy a new piece of equipment for your kitchen or men with a tool, that manual becomes so important. Why do people think that they don't need to know anything about the law and their dogs? I don't know if it was just because I was a lawyer or just because I was so worried because I really didn't know so much about a dog. That's the first thing I did. Got my mm-hmm. dog her dog like got her, her tag. Of course she had to have, you know, rabies shot at a certain point. And then I copied those laws and I kept them handy. And one other project I was involved in that I'm very proud of, I did with a local news anchor here. We got an anti-tethering ordinance passed in our town and then in our entire county. And that was the year my book, Dog Diet, came out and that was the year that we made this video. Deborah Lenz was her name. She did a great job and this is called Off the Chain and she won the Dog Writers' press award that year for the best video and my book won the award for the most humorous dog book that year so it was a great year and and dogs came off chains here as well so where can people
1: uh, find that where can people find the book they can
0: get all my books on amazon.com okay right or Or through my website PattyLawson.com. Perfect. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Send me any questions you have. I'm always willing to help.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Patty. We are out of time, so if you'd like to know more about her work, as she mentioned, you can visit PattyLawson.com and her Facebook page, Grateful Dog Mom. We're just going to have a quick break, and when we get back, we'll have Katie Tang on.
2: Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well. Four, to be exact.
0: Conica, the German shepherd that I rescued, was stinky, skinny, and scrawny, full of skin rashes and scratching, and I started feeding Conica Dynavite, and he became such a happier, itch-free, stink-free dog that I dug deeper into the website. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. What if, in addition to Dynavite, we do the raw beef and the egg diet and see what happens? Forget all these 50-pound bags, the formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits that cost a ton of money anyways. This dog's as close to a wolf as you can get. They're carnivores. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and Super Omega on top of it, it just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. It's it's unbelievable. <coughs> Hey, if you're thinking about rescuing a dog, you got to start them out on Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
2: Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of White Gate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years.
0: Let's talk pets.
2: Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet
1: Welcome back to a Pooch. We are talking with Katie Tang, District 4 representative on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Hi, Katie. Appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today.
2: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: (laughs) Now, I I understand, obviously, you are an advocate for several humanitarian issues, including animals. And I have to say, I was impressed when I heard about the, the law that San Francisco had passed. Regarding pet shops only selling rescue dogs. And I was thinking, wow, who made this happen? And, mm-hmm. and when I was doing the research, it linked back to your name. So I would love to know your involvement with that. Like, was it a lengthy proposal?
2: Sure. So actually, you know, the SPCA here, our local animal organization, as well as the local animal shelter which is called Animal Care and Control, they both approached me about this idea. And I said, of course, you know, our family, we have our first pet was a rescue. So we absolutely support rescue animals. And it was a no brainer. And so, you know, essentially, the legislation just says, if you're a pet store in San Francisco, you must sell pets that are from rescue organizations or that, you know, need to be adopted, not from breeders. And also that Puppies and kittens under eight weeks old also can't be sold in these stores.
1: So, cannot be sold?
2: Know, cannot if you're under eight weeks old. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so there's two components to it. And I think that's really important because the babies and the, the mothers and the parents, they need that bonding time. And it's really important because then if you don't do that right, it actually can lead to other behavioral issues in the future. So, you know, true. pets can, you know, they can act out later on in life and you don't realize that it's because either they were treated badly at a at a breeder or, um, or at a mill, I should say, because I know there are responsible breeders out there. Um, I don't want to discredit them, but in terms of the mills um, that just, you know, literally churn out puppies and kittens, there are conditions there that, again, can lead to other behavioral problems later for a guardian. So I think it's really important that um, puppies and kittens have that time to develop with, with their mothers, <laughs>
1: Actually, we all do. As humans, (laughs) exactly, because I'm I'm actually walking a dog right now, and um, oh, and it's very very skittish. And I I thought it was a rescue, but the owner said, no, they just got her before at a young age. So I'm like, oh, so I get it. So in
2: San Francisco, you know, it wasn't that difficult to pass this legislation. And, you know, I'm, I am shocked to hear, I've heard from people from all over the world now, which is amazing, um, the country and different countries about wanting to do something similar in their jurisdiction. And they, you know, they were just shocked at how easy it was. And so I always, you know, I'm always happy to share with people the the link to our legislation and you can just mirror that in yours, in your town. And our, you know, it passed unanimously and I, and right now currently San Francisco has no pet stores that actually sell. How long did it take
1: from idea to like inception?
2: Oh, it was actually really quick. I would say a couple months, probably. Whoa. Yeah, a couple months. I mean, San Francisco is a very pet-friendly city. You know, I think we have more pets than children here. So (laughs) people understand.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay. So it's just a matter of making that phone call and then...
2: Call your local representative and demand that they pass something similar.
1: Huh. Well, San Fran has definitely become a model that uh, other cities should follow suit. But what do, like Absolutely. <laughs> What do you foresee happening with the other cities since since that law passed? But I, I mean, I guess every country differs.
2: Right, and I think it just helps when a large city like San Francisco um does something like this, and then other people think, "Oh, do we have a similar law? Maybe not, and maybe we should contact our local representative to do something like that so for sure, you know i I think that's great, and of course, I've heard of there's lots of other things I'd love to do to help our animal friends and family um <laughs> you know, I heard, for example, Berkeley just recently passed a law that bans the sale of fur. Who's this? From Berkeley, the city of Berkeley. Oh, Berkeley. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Happy about that one. Yeah. Well,
2: no, I mean, I, I think that's great. And I just know that that will be even more controversial in San Francisco. But it, it's, a, it's a great thing. Yeah. You know, I think we, we take these little steps as, whenever we can.
1: That is awesome that you did that. What advice would you have for people that have a role in helping shape municipal laws, like in terms of dogs and needs?
2: Oh, gosh. I think that, you know, residents have such powerful voices, and I I hope that everyone does not forget that you, even as one person, have the ability to change things significantly for the world. I'm one person in our board that tends to care a lot about animals, and so I saw an opportunity to help pass a law to address one aspect of things, right, to help our animals. But if you, in a jurisdiction, maybe you are elected representative, maybe you're not, maybe you're a resident, either way, you have that ability to go and approach um, your local representative and say, hey, I'd really love for you to pay attention to this issue. We have millions of unwanted animals in this country, right? Because of Mm -hmm. those. And they come at a cost to taxpayers, whether it's the shelter that is overcrowded or you need more staffing to take care of them. You need more staff to even unfortunately put them down. Yeah. Pick up roadkill. I mean, whatever it is, it is a cost to taxpayers. And so the more we can get a handle on this, encourage more adoptions, not only is the right, in my opinion, moral thing to do and humane thing to do, it's, it, it also helps the bottom line if that's what people care about, you know? So, yeah, like, yeah. I, was
1: just, <laughs> I guess that's been the issue. A lot of people think, well, I'm only one person. But oh yes, no, that. one
2: person has the power to make a lot of change and if there wasn't one person say at our of supervisors who cared, right? We couldn't pass this law, right? So so it's it is important that you speak up if you really believe in in protecting our animals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Was there an um any backlash from like breeders and stuff?
2: Well, we did get some concerns from small business owners or the Small Business Commission here in San Francisco, you know, concerned that a lot of, you know, the industry is kind of, you know, slowly being taken away from brick and mortar stores. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we are not able to prohibit the sale directly between a breeder say, a responsible breeder and an okay. individual because we cannot um. prohibit or interfere with interstate commerce, right? So we can only say here in San Francisco, at least in our brick and mortars, you cannot sell anything from a mill.
1: Gotcha. Um, Right. So
2: but that's that's something that every jurisdiction is going to have a challenge on. So unless Congress decides that they want to adopt, you know, similar regulation, we can't do anything about that. So I think that the Small Business Commission, you know, they were a little concerned that slowly, you know, the Amazons of the world or just Internet commerce is taking over brick and mortar. Right. And again, Uh, there's just nothing that we can on a local level do about interstate commerce. But again, I said to them, look, there hasn't been for a while a pet shop in San Francisco that actually sells animals from mills. And most pet shops in San Francisco actually prefer to partner with rescue organizations anyway. So, you know, like I see these pet adoption events at like the Pet Pet Food Express all the time or, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's already um, a practice that I think at least San Franciscans want to adopt. So I can't speak for other jurisdictions, but, you know, hmm. it's. That's why I think laws like these help bring that awareness to people.
1: Absolutely. But I wonder if there is a way, like if if people were going around shopping for a dog, if there was a way to tell if they were even from males or was, is it? from other shelters. I guess the only way is to really just ask.
2: Right. And, and part of our legislation actually requires that if you are a pet store selling an animal, that you actually have to list the rescue organization where it came from. And oh, so right. Okay. So, but, you know, there's no knowing where it came from before that.
1: Okay, the history. So, okay, yeah. yeah exactly.
2: I mean, sometimes you do like we our first dog that we adopted, we found out that she was from Missouri. <laughs>
1: so, oh, okay. from a breeder in Missouri. But That's you know, I day. we got her yeah. from the animal care and control. Yeah. It's tough to know their history beyond mm-hmm. a certain point. So Yeah, yeah. And do the so they're selling them at a cost does that cost go back to the rescue or has or I guess it depends um, on.
2: It's up to the pet store what they want to do. What? Okay, yeah. gotcha. A lot of pet stores do like to give proceeds to or rescue organizations, but you know we don't mandate
1: that. It's just it's up to them. It's up to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys did a fabulous job. So hopefully, oh, thank you. Other other cities will follow through. I hope so <laughs> there, too. I uh, hope so. Yeah. Are there other projects you're working on right now? I mean, I think that this was one of
2: our our big ones, but we're actually trying to get our local animal shelter rebuilt. Here in San Francisco, it was an old kind of warehouse that was not designed to be with animals, (laughs) not designed for animals at all. So they're they're actually when they're taken in in San Francisco, it's they're very inhumane conditions and there's you know, there can be injuries involved and other other challenges because it's just not not equipped and not outfitted for animals. So we're very excited that in about, I think, um, 2019, there will be a completely new facility for them.
1: Oh, bless your guys' hearts. What is mm-hmm. it called? Oh, it's,
2: so it's our local animal shelter, which is a city department, and it's um, animal care and control.
1: Oh, okay. It's part of the city. Yes, that's part of the city, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie, um, again, for talking to us. And our thank show you. producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. You can see what Katie's up to, I guess, on your Twitter. It's under Supervisor Tang. Your Facebook page is just Katie Tang. Katie
2: Tang SF. SF as in San Francisco,
1: yes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets